the childhood vaccines that we give are for diseases that are serious, but not usually fatal. Whereas this has a defined mortality rate that's probably higher than most of those diseases. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. In mid-June, the FDA granted emergency use authorization to Pfizer and Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine for children ages 6 months to 5 years old. In New York City, the vaccines will become available as early as the start of next week. But while some parents have been counting the days, others have questions. What if my child already had COVID-19? How effective is the vaccine for kids versus adults? And what about additional doses? Today, Epicenter's Mitra Kalita talks to Dr. Mark Harowitz, a family doctor in Lower Manhattan, about what parents should consider when making the decision to vaccinate their children. Before we begin, a quick message. Did you know that Epicenter NYC members are invited to exclusive events and tours across New York City? Earlier this month, we hosted a behind-the-scenes tour of the Queen's Night Market. Here's what member Catherine Tam had to say about the experience. I ended up experiencing community in a whole new way. And I say that because, you know, my sister told me recently how she and her friends, they had tried to uh, visit the Queen's Night Market, but they weren't able to do so because the lineups were so long. But she, and until recently myself, uh, never knew why that was the case, other than that it was so popular. So by attending that behind-the-scenes tour with other members and also with the market's founder, we found out how popular that market has been since the beginning and how when my sister and her friends tried to visit the market, it turns out that was during the time when the lineups were so long that it ended up stretching nearly a mile all the way into the nearest subway station. And as the the founder told us, you know, uh, he nearly got in trouble with the authorities over that. But it's that type of, you know, neighborhood nuance, that's how you find out about, you know, what makes communities really tick and why this market and so many other, you know, events and treasures in the city continue, continue to be popular to this day. Now, back to the show. Here's Mitra Kalita and Dr. Mark Horowitz. Dr. Horowitz, thank you so much for being with us. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on the approval of the vaccine for the zero to five set. And the question that we're, of course, being asked over and over as we were before is Moderna versus Pfizer. What are your thoughts on that? So I decided to take both vaccines, just like I decided to take all three of the adult vaccines, because I think people deserve a choice. I've pre-ordered 100 doses of Pfizer, 100 doses of Moderna. Um, My order was accepted. So I'm pretty sure that sometime this week it will be shipped and received the next day. But the answer to the question, Pfizer and Moderna, is the same answer it was for adults. Whichever goes into your arm is the right one. And and how are we going to get parents to accept the vaccine? You know, there are a certain number of parents who are enthusiastic about it and will be lining up at our door on day one. But there still are a lot of questions that parents have. the, The answers are emerging slowly. First of all, parents say, well, you know, my kid had COVID this spring. Why do I need to give him or her the the vaccine? And the answer is the same as for the adult vaccine, that hybrid immunity, that is to say natural immunity plus the vaccine is better than 
disease-induced immunity alone, because we know that that wanes. We get parents saying that the data is not enough to convince them. You know, whereas the data on the adult vaccines was overwhelming. We were talking about an 88 or 90% reduction in chance of death. For kids, it's, it's 50% or less. But even one kid dying is too much. Right. Hey, Mark, that's why the city is seeing a lagging in the 5 to 12 range versus yeah. adults. It's because of these data points that still feel a little bit murky. Sure. The uptake on pediatric has been only 50% in the city and less in other areas. We're going to go through the whole hesitancy thing again. And we have to have reasonable and evidence-based answers for parents and allow them to make the best decision they can for their kids. So the efficacy is not as great as it is for adults, but it's still pretty impressive. It certainly prevents death to a great degree. And, you know, when you look at all of the other childhood vaccines that we offer, COVID still has a higher mortality among children than the majority of those. Kids very rarely died of measles or mumps. The the childhood vaccines that we give are for diseases that are serious, but not usually fatal, whereas this has a defined mortality rate that's probably higher than most of those diseases. So there's good reason to give it. And again, the community health aspect of this is important as well. If you're giving a kid a vaccine that will reduce the amount of virus they carry in their system if they're exposed to the virus, then they're going to spread it to their parents and grandparents and neighbors and teachers less efficiently, if at all. So there there are compelling reasons to get, get it but I understand the questions and we're going to have to go through the same process we went through a year or 14 months ago with people who had vaccine hesitancy and that is have really open-minded, non-judgmental discussions with them and try to help them get the information they need to make a smart decision for their kid. I've talked to two moms today. One mom said, I wish I knew whether masks would be mandatory in the fall or not because of the percentages on this age group and, and still not kind of, you know, being as high as the grownups, right? That's one, one piece of feedback. The second was from a mom who said that if my kid wants to do any activities, she's three, three years old, she's going to have to get the vaccine. So I thought that was interesting that there are these external factors that parents are also weighing as they're deciding what to do. And the other external factor that weighs heavily on this is our mayor because he really makes policy to a real significant degree with regard to the schools. And I like him very much, but he's very motivated to normalcy. He wants a return to normalcy as quickly as possible for social, political, and business economic reasons. So he may not be as data-driven as our previous mayor was. Months ago, you told Epicenter we should be watching the language around boosters and encouraging people to get doses of a vaccine as they are more used to. Tell me what prompted this and how you came to that realization. Well, I think it's a semantic issue, and I think the semantic issue is critically important because people's willingness to take another dose of the vaccine really is colored by their perception of the importance of that vaccine. So if someone's already had two doses of an mRNA vaccine and they're told they have to have a booster, they're going to be less willing to take it than if we say we recommend you have a third dose. 
I, I don't know that I can explain that, but I think the semantics of it really impact people's perception of the vaccine. And therefore, in my office, I always refer to it as a third or fourth dose. And if patients look a little screwy at me or scratch their head, I said, you know, the first booster is your third dose. The second booster is your fourth dose. I said, remember, you know, when you took your kids to the pediatrician for polio vaccine, they got five doses altogether. They didn't get two doses and three boosters. They got five doses altogether. So we now, you know, the the knowledge of immunity against SARS-CoV-2 is evolving. We now know that two doses is probably not enough to last a long time. It lasts a year, maybe more, but it's not enough to last a long time. You know, it's really interesting. I have medical students in my office and all of the patients over the last, I don't know, six or seven months who tested positive initially to Omicron and now to BA2, when the students see me talk to them, one of them just two weeks ago said to me, how much clearer could it be that a third dose allows you to have an illness that's much milder than just two doses. Um, so I tell patients who test positive these days, you know, you're going to be more bored than sick. Mm-hmm. Um, the first day or two is not pleasant at all, but from there on in until they convert to a negative test and can go back to work, you know, they, they watch a lot of Netflix. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Dr. Horowitz, where are we on the vaccine rollout? Who's coming to your office to get a vaccine now? Again, my practice consists mostly of insured people who are educated. They're from all walks of life, but they, very few of them harbor any significant misconceptions about the vaccine. So I will see a very small number of people who remain unvaccinated. And frankly, I'm I'm not ashamed to use this term. I think those people are deluded. I think they have delusional beliefs about the vaccine. I'll ask them and I'll try to enter into a discussion. But at this point, we're not seeing vaccine hesitant people. We're seeing vaccine resistant people. And, and, you know, sure enough, a woman said to me um, that a doctor that she follows on the internet says that there's crushed up fetal parts in the vaccine. I, I mean, I can show her the list of ingredients, all sorts of patient education slides. And there's a, a very short list of ingredients, none of which are fetal cells. But, you know, there was nothing I can do to convince her because she's really deluded. Most of the people who are still getting vaccinated are getting third or fourth doses now. They're getting third or fourth doses because they qualify for it. They're getting third or fourth doses because they have family members who are vulnerable. They're getting third or fourth doses before they travel to a place where they perceive there might be more of a risk. Uh, Look, I was on an airplane for six hours the other day. I kept my mask on the entire time. In the waiting room of the airport, there were clearly people coughing. So I think travel is a a, a risk that we're taking right now. Right. Particularly traveling ahead of the New York area where BA2 is so so endemic right now. But the rollout, just in terms of this particular family doctor, 98 to 99% of my patients are vaccinated and 60 to 70% of them have had a third or fourth dose. That is to say they're boosted. Uh, And the people who are coming in now are seeking a third or fourth dose. Thank you, Mark, not just for this, but for everything you've been doing. As Dr. Horowitz explained, the chance of death due to COVID-19 is greatly reduced for children who receive the vaccine. And even one kid dying of the disease is too many. 
So if you need help making an appointment to get your child vaccinated or just want to talk about your options, drop us a line at vaccine at epicenter-nyc.com. You can also visit epicenter-nyc.com slash vaccine-help slash and fill out our vaccine registration request form. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website linked to in our podcast description.